Hey everybody, welcome back. We're on into the first week of March already, so we've got just two and a half short months left in the season, if you will, for us. Um, we missed you guys last week. We had um, an unexpected snowfall, my gosh. And they're saying one more big snow in March. Seriously? Yeah. I hadn't heard that. So I always, uh, I saved a picture of March 25th. It was the day before my daughter was born, and there was eight inches of snow outside. Wow. So every time somebody talks about March snows, I'm like, I've got documentation. <laughs> I've been there, done that. Um, well, again, thanks for coming out. Um, it's a tough act to follow. Brad doing the gospel presentation to the kids. Yeah. It's kind of knock, he knocks it out of the park. It's a little bit of a mic drop. I almost feel like we shouldn't talk after that. <laughs> he does such a good just, job. It just all gets saved. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Amen. I'll pray for him. Um, well, for those of you that have been with us for a while, you know we've been going. Um, each week we do three segments. In the first segment, we've been covering the life of Jesus um, very slowly uh, on purpose. We don't want to miss anything. And we've been camped out on the Sermon on the Mount for quite a while, but we're in Matthew chapter 6 yet again. Um, and this is on the Lord's Prayer, um, which is familiar to a lot of us. And we're kind of um, diving a little bit deeper into that. Um, so I'll just read it one more time. If you have your Bibles, this is Matthew chapter 6. Um, and we'll be starting in verse 9. In this manner, therefore, pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Um, and we talked about, and just a little bit of review, how Jesus was telling... Um, the Jews of the day at this time, you're not tithing right, you're not um, fasting right, and you're not praying right. And he gives them um, and dives very deeply into how to pray. And we talked about the first part, our Father in heaven, that's recognizing the paternity of God. Um, hallowed be your name, that's setting his name apart and praising him. Um, your kingdom come, and the last time we were here we talked about Jesus's kingdom, and um, his kingdom wasn't the physical kingdom we imagine it, it was um, his kingdom here on earth on earth how he was establishing my kingdom he kept saying my kingdom and uh, repeatedly in chapter five he's talking about the kingdom the kingdom, <coughs> the kingdom of heaven yep. <coughs> so that uh, the beatitudes mentions that several times uh, blessed are the blessed are they who seek after righteousness for theirs is the kingdom of heaven you know, Heimlich? No, I'm good. <laughs> I did eat the Snickers right before this, so. <clears throat> well, well, then I'm you should be good at yes. Snickers. I'm not going to pretend. I uh, feel a little bit of that now. <clears throat> Got a peanut stuck in I do. Kind of trying to clear it here. Um, so tingling anyway, right, right hand? or So then, <laughs> and so no, then in reviewing, um, we'll start with where we're at today, which is give us this day our daily bread. Um, which, as I'm thinking about this, thank you, we don't ever hunger. I just ate a Snickers, like I said, before I came, and I'm thirsty, and he just, you know, <laughs> bottled water here. Like, when's the last time you had to pray um, for your daily bread? Like, when's the last time you had to sit and pray for a meal to appear? Um, and I'm not saying that's what he's specifically telling us, but I'm just saying, as in the day, yeah. they had to work a lot harder for but their I, food. I still have to confess that I think a lot about eating throughout the day. <laughs> not in a oh, good no way. I'm, I'm thinking, mm, what am I going to do for no lunch? Mm, where am I going to go? Oh, but it's not a too concern. Much. 
our prayers no, are concern, more like, more of an obsession. God, help oh, me right. to lose some of this weight. Help me to not eat some of this food. I mean, that's right. what like our prayer is now. Yeah. Um, but Lord, back in the day, take that food from me. Yeah, our daily bread was a big deal. They had to really, really um, survive. That was part of their daily ahead. survival was mm-hmm. to get food. Um, so, and having said that, is this still applicable today? Give us Most this day our daily definitely. bread. What is that saying to us today? So, first of all, I want to put this caveat. If you've ever been on a mission trip, this really, <laughs> this really comes to play. Uh, and it was years and years ago. You need to go hack it out. <laughs> we'll be right. here. Tara has left the building. <laughs> so, uh, in in college, I went to a Honduras slash Belize trip. And uh, we went to villages, and that was the first time. Of course, I'd read stories and had heard stuff like this, but honestly, just never gave a lot of credence to it. But I watched for a week uh, this group of people in these villages, especially because Belize, of course, was more of a city. Uh, but the villages that we went to, the women would get up super early and spend two to three hours preparing breakfast. They'd take a little little siesta. Then they'd spend two or three hours getting ready for lunch, fixing lunch. Then they'd take another CS, and then they'd spend two or three hours and fix dinner. And then they'd go into bed. And they got up the next day and did the same thing. So what portion of the day would you say was, what percentage-wise of the day was given to that? Of the daylight hours, they spent 75% of their time preparing meals. Wow. And, and, and so, of course, you know, they, they didn't have microwaves. They didn't have gas ranges. They didn't have electric you know, none of that stuff. So, so it was all by hand. They had to gather the food by hand, and then they had to prepare the food by hand, and they had to build the fire in the, bre- you know. Uh, no freezers, no refrigerators to hold it yeah, overnight or the yeah. next day. It, 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 no what we would call accoutrements, you know, and things that we're very used to that we've built our, and I don't think it's wrong, but we've built our life around it because, I mean, let, let's face it, if we had to spend that kind of time preparing our meals, it would change everything. And so uh, that helped me understand a little bit uh, about the need. And, of course, these folks were dealing with the same situation. I mean, you know, they they too were 2,000 years ago. Big portion of the day dedicated to getting food, preparing it, and then, you know, the 10-minute meal. (laughs) The three hours of preparation and then 10-minute meal and the cleanup. We're talking about a meal to just sustain them for life. This ain't a, hey, I want a snack. This is, I got to have this meal to survive. Right. Well, and, and, you know, the, the, the other part of the family was out fishing and, and gathering, working, whatever the case may be. Um, and, and so this was their part of their contribution to the family was preparing these meals. Um, but, but as far as the, the actual question to, to us as 2020, if you will, uh, middle-class Americans, um, I, I believe for us it is a, a humbling thing uh, for, for us to check ourselves, you know. Yes, I can't speak for you, but I've got at least a freezer, if not two, and a refrigerator, if not two, full. And so I can look at that and think, I'm good. But, you know, a a rolling electric blackout could take it all away. And the bottom line is, is every provision that I have is provided by God. And we've got to see it as that. 
and that's the word I was shooting for with all of this is this is being thankful for God's provision. So while we may not be praying specifically for a meal, are we not praying um, for what provides the meal? For sure. for you, it's preaching. For Gavin, sure. he's a vet. I mean, I, I, um, I'm thinking everything from the knowledge I have to do my job, the health I have to right. show up and do it, the right. skill set I have to perform it, um, the vehicle to the, get to the, the way job. to get there and back. I right. mean, these are all things that I, I hope I don't take for granted, but these are things that we're being thankful for God's provision, not just for the meal, but just for the livelihood and the ability to provide it. Amen. Um, so on to verse 12, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. What do you think, um, what, what is your first thought when you think of forgive us our debts? This is a huge part of the, this is, <laughs> yeah, we're going like right the to the heart of it, honestly. Yeah. Uh, especially of this, this passage, of course, but of the triangle study, the, the uh, core, core principle study that I've been talking about, this is one of the core verses. The same relationship that we have with others, the same, um, I guess the same, tenor or the same metal that we have between each other is the same metal that makes or uh, describes our relationship with God. So if I've got something against Ben or Ben's got something against me, that's an interference of my relationship with God. And this is just one of those verses that reinforces that. We all have debts. All of us have debts. And keeping short debts, short lists is a discipline we should learn as Christians. But Jesus goes on to explain that if you don't forgive your debtors, neither will your Father in heaven forgive you of your debts. And I think that's why. Because he counts the relationship that we have between each other as the same relationship that we have with him. Now that relationship that I have with him has many facets because of the different relationships that I have with everybody here and at home, uh, my family and my friends and my uh, co-workers. Th those all set the, the bar or are descriptors of my relationship with God. And this is just one of those verses that brings that out. God doesn't forgive me of my trespasses if I hold the grudge that I have against you, if I continue to harbor that. God's going to wait on his forgiveness until I get it right. So I'm thinking, too, um, and keep in mind, and I say it repeatedly, I'm not smart enough to come up with all of this myself. I definitely have heard this in study. But he's talking, too, about our sin debt. Um, without the recognition of our sin and our sin debt, um, that's, that's what the need for Christ is. That's what our greatest need is, is forgiveness of our sin. Um, ironically, Brad just laid it out, I mean, just perfectly, um, of there is, there is a sin and there has to be a penalty and a repayment for the sin. And this is, this is Jesus himself right. who is going to be the sacrifice right. talking um, and forgive us our debts. He's talking, don't you think, uh, about your, your sin debt. He's talking about, and I am the, he will be the ultimate way. I am the forgiveness of your right. sins. It's through me. Well, so Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death. When I quote that verse, I always try to describe that word wages because we don't use that word a lot with our kids anymore. We understand the word as adults because we work. But for a child, uh, and that, as a youth director, that's who I was always talking to. So I would always say, uh, for the wages, the payment, the penalty of sin is death. And now, I think it's important for us to understand why God 
uses an economical phrase because that's how he sees it. And, and, and that it, there's other things that he uses, other allegories, if you will, uh, illustrations, but he certainly uses the financial setting to explain the debt that you're talking about. Um, and then in Colossians where it says that uh, the devil showed up with the handwritten ordinance, you know, so he also uses the, the legal aspect. This isn't a, a issue, if you will. This is a concrete financial legal problem that we have with God. And, and what do you do when you have a financial legal problem with God? You settle it. You have to, if you want as to get right with it. As you can. As quick as you can. Um, uh, before interest accrues. That, that's exactly right. <laughs> or, or before you're not able to pay. A amen. You know, Amen. Uh, and so anyway, the I don't parable know if that of the, uh, your question. The, the parable of the rich man who forgave yes. the other man the, the talents. 10,000 talents. Right. Forgave him 10,000 talents, and he, 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 that essentially is a lifetime of wages to right. somebody in Bible times. So this man's been forgiven a lifetime of debt, and then he finds somebody that owes him <laughs> essentially a week's worth right. of, of wages Pins. and just takes him to task. I think that's Jesus is just laying out the details of this forgive your forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. He's laying out the details in that parable. It is a, an account that we carry with him, and we have a presumed debt to him that we ought to use to forgive others yeah. from. So that the what we've been forgiven should be a resource for us to forgive other other people. Amen. Now, before we move on, um, I was a little slow on getting the picture, but you talk about the our give us our day, our daily bread. He, us here in America, we can't think of that. And this picture changed my life. This is what we're talking about. The, this is overseas mm -hmm. in Africa. And these are the conditions some of these people live in. So I, I always forget we're on radio. But if you just type in dying boy and vulture, you can see this. And oh this, yeah, it's a heartbreaking image. But this is what's around the world. And, you know, that's, we are a very blessed country. And that's it, when it humbles us to see something like that, it, it can change your life. Well, when you, when you take all of the population of the world in, in view and you do the statistic, every, every person in this room represents the 1% of the richest people in the world. Yes. When you take the entire 7, 8 billion people involved with what you and I make a year, we are in the top 1%. Yeah. And uh, we don't think that way, of course, because in America, the top 1% are all billionaires. Right. You know? And, and we are, we're paupers compared to that. But again, you throw in every Ethiopian boy that doesn't have a meal except every third day type thing, we're kings. Mm -hmm. We're kings compared to them. Uh, Larry sent in something about that too. Uh, it can take many hours for some countries to bake things uh, it's most basic. Uh, an earth oven is a pit in the ground used to trap heat, bake, and smoke or steam food. Earth ovens have been used in many places and cultures in the past and the presence of such cooking pits. And, and you know, you, you think about, uh, I don't know how many of you people know about a cob oven or you know somebody that has a cob oven, but again, in middle-class America, that, that's kind of a, you know. Novelty. It's yeah, a novelty. It really you get is. it to make your pizzas. You know, yeah. and, and, and it's not that expensive, really, but it, it's a little bit of work and such. But you've got a cob oven. These people, it's their absolute existence. They, if they don't have a, something like a cob oven, they can't cook anything type thing. 
Yeah. And for us, it's a, it's a novelty. Yeah. Right. It's in our backyard yeah, patio. No doubt. You know? Yeah. We're and pretty comfortable. And some right. people build That's a shed for it. That's another topic that I'm yeah. going to try not to dive into and chase the rabbit on comfort. But coming to a Bethel radio hour near there you, you go. we're going to cover comfort maybe a little more in depth. Um, so but back to the Lord's Prayer again. Uh, this is the outline. This is Jesus himself saying this is how you pray. So this is our... This is our outline. This is the highlights we need to be hitting when we're praying. Because sometimes, when you weren't raised praying, how do you pray? And, and this is this is still the outline to follow. This is the outline I still try to follow. Um, but you know, you're again praising God, thanking God, and confessing your sins. So back to um, you know, forgive us our debts, and then he follows that with as we forgive our debtors. Um, and there's a lot to be said about forgiveness, and it even says in verse 14, for if you forgive your men trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Um, so he talks about forgiveness in verse 12, and then he kind of expands on it in verse 14. Right. Um, is this a misinterpreted verse at times with 14? Like if uh, I've even heard pastors say at times uh, where it goes with forgiveness. If you can't forgive or don't forgive, they'll go as far as to say, are you really saved? Are you really going to go to heaven? Are you real? I mean, big things regarding forgiveness. Like, what do you think Jesus is saying here in 12 and 14? Like, if we don't forgive others, will God not forgive us? Is that what he's saying? I okay. We've heard so much taught about that. Yes. So, first of all, in, this, in my humble opinion, we understand that he's talking to lost and saved, if you will, primarily lost people. But he starts the prayer, our Father, which art in heaven. So he's making the assumption that the person that's praying is a child of God. Okay, And he's telling that child of God that if you are, you know, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you show love one to another. So if you're out of fellowship with a brother or a sister and it is within your power to make it right and you're not, you got problems with me. You know, and it's basically what Gavin has explained about the core principle, the, the, the triangle. triangle. Yeah. God, and, and we've talked about it before in our marriage relationships, when we're treating our loved one <coughs> like whatever you want to say, trash, uh, God takes issue oh, with yeah. us. Well, he says, you love because I first loved you. Right. You know, it just, it's so cyclical, even right. though, um, I won't even, I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole. But yeah, there's just so many verses that pile onto that. But, but can you lose your salvation? No, I, no. I, I don't believe that at all. And it can be saved. It can be unsaved. I think the same either right. way. Right. But, but he does keep account, you know. Oh, and, no but that's where the mature Christian, it goes into hay, stubble, what, you know, all the, awards right. in quotations you get in heaven but i do believe god keeps an account if you were to die and you had something against a brother or sister well so, so think about it every according to this passage and i agree with it every person that has not forgiven someone of what they've done to them you, you're not being forgiven by your father that, that's a serious issue it's a very serious issue uh bitterness is just that's a kissing cousin to this whole discussion here that when someone has allowed themselves to get bitter, because, you know, let's face it, people hurt us. Sometimes they right. do it absolutely on and purpose. Per, very personally and yeah. very, yeah. yeah. Well, and let's say, you know, let's say on Monday, you know, just to make it simple, on Monday you have this spat between somebody that you could correct. 
and you don't do it. Right. Well, Tuesday, you're asking God for things. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. You could go on a year. God knows that one thing you could have done right, and God hates sin. And so do you really think he's going to be communicating with you and helping you right. over this? So, yeah, in a way, he just takes his hand off of you, throws until you to the wolves until you come back to Until you start seeing, uh, start seeing you yes. know, there's something obviously wrong with my and, relationship. And that's where you need to check your spiritual life is if you're spiraling down, you need to start doing the, well, what? Where am I Evaluate. wrong? What am I doing? Where, that, yeah. where is this at? That parable I was talking about is Matthew 18, and the end of that is heart-wrenching. I've heard pastors preach about being turned over to the tormentors, and the Lord was wroth and delivered him to the tormentors till he should pay all that was due to him, that God can do that spiritually with you, too. If you don't forgive and you hang on to something, that he will eventually turn you over to the tormentors, and you have to come back to this point and, and unpack it and say, God, I'm sorry, and even maybe go to the person that's involved and start making amends with them as well. We just learned something in uh, problem solving the other day, the five whys. And then if you ask, why did this happen? You'll get an answer. And then you ask, why did that happen? And when you get to the fifth why, you will see the root of the problem. And I've done it with a few things, and it's like, that really does work. So um, I wrote down a quote years ago from, it was D.L. Moody, and he said, I am convinced a great many prayers go unanswered because of someone's unwillingness to forgive. Um, but in my own life with forgiveness, and, you know, of course, God always wants what's best for us, right? Like, he doesn't want the worst for us. Uh, same with our kids. Like, we teach our kids things and instruct them because we want what's best for them. Forgiveness is for our benefit yeah. as well. Because how many times have you held on to something? And, you, I mean, it just festers and it gets so ugly and it just eats you up, whether you admit it is or not. But when you finally let loose of it, there is so much freedom and so much peace. And God Healing. knows that. Uh, that's why I think he dwells on the forgiveness a little bit here and expands on it so much. And again, in Matthew 18, he a whole parable on forgiveness. So how many times should we forgive our brother? Seven times? And he says, no, 70 times seven. You, and God wasn't saying, well, let's multiply what's right. 70 times seven. And okay, once you get to that number, right. you can stop forgiving. No, he just meant always forgive, forgive and forgive right. and forgive. And it's for your benefit. I per, That's just my personal belief, but... Well, the, the, the number seven is, stands for completion, perfection. Right. Well, and he knows we're humans. We're going right. to try one or two times, and we're going to give up. Right. So he picked a number we know. If we're honest with each other, we're never going to get to. Right. So he just lays it out. Well, and back then, um, the tradition at the time was if you forgave someone, you only had to forgive them three times, and that was it. You could write them off. Like, okay, did my part. And then so when Jesus, you know, he answers and he says, you know, Peter, I think it was, forgive me, I haven't been in 18 in a while, but he says, uh, how many times should I, we haven't gotten there yet, how many times should I forgive my brother? Seven times? Like, oh my gosh, seven times? That's well, it's like, they than, thought he was being gracious. That's way more than three, and he's like, I tell you 70 times seven. What? I mean, that was like, well, no and then, way. And then we got to look at, you've preached many times from the pulpit, we've heard it a million times, that how many times do we sin in a day? when we started realizing we were sinning. And if you're 50 years old right now and you added all those up, it would be way more than 70 right. times. So Christ is doing that daily oh, yeah. for us. And you and that's the, just like he said, you know, use what you, the weight you use on others, do unto others as you do it on yourself. And that piggybacks, forgive them of your trespasses, your heavenly father forgives you. You know, that's that haughtiness, that's that hypocrisy that everybody pointing at somebody. Jesus can point to us all day long on things we're doing wrong. All right, so we'll stop there, um, and maybe we're done with the Lord's Prayer now. Maybe we'll talk about the last two verses <laughs> we'll decide later. 
Um, so we'll stop now, and I'm just saying, does anybody have an I'm just saying tonight? Actually, I'll start because it's the cold brew coffee. Man, <laughs> with the Have cold you bought brew. some from? Yeah, I bought some from the cold Mark. brew supplier. It looks like he's selling moonshine at church, though. <laughs> and I even brought some into work in a mason jar, and they're like, Tara, are you bringing moonshine? And I was like, better, better. actually. That's even right. better. So good. So, I mean, I'm just saying, if you haven't tried the local cold brew coffee that, you know, yep, it's delicious. in a Bethel church near you. I don't want to, <laughs> actually, I, I'm reluctant to tell people because I don't want them to, like, get overwhelmed and stop making it. <laughs> yeah. And then I'll have to make it myself. Yeah, come talk to us after church. Right. Yeah. I've got some uh, in the fridge over at the office. Uh, it, it's, it's the best coffee I have had on a regular occasion. Yeah. I have had like beats Folgers and, and all that. I mean, hands down. I don't like it as much I, as chocolate, but I no, like it a lot. No, uh, but it it's really good. It's smooth. Um, I, I, my I'm just saying is kind of forced, but um, I meant to uh, ask you guys to go to YouTube and listen to S.M. Lockridge's message on the Lord's Prayer. But uh, I'm just saying S.M. Lockridge is the greatest black preacher I have ever heard. Mm-hmm. And he starts out so humble every time he preaches. And he, he basically apologizes for being there, you know. And um, he, so he opens up one of his messages, that particular message on YouTube, with the illustration of the new guy that had to go do the state trooper death, you know, reports or death, what he would, notices. Mm-hmm. Because they didn't want to go to this particular one because this elderly gent and his wife had been together forever and he had passed away and she needed to be told and none of them wanted to do it so they gave it to the new guy and so he went and he knocked on the door and she answered the door and said may I help you and he said "Uh, widow smith and she said well I'm Mrs. Smith but I'm not a widow that's what you think (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's terrible And, and he used that to say, you know, you guys have invited me thinking you're really getting something. That's what you think. <laughs> wow. So I'm just saying he, he's a master. Uh, if you have not heard an Esther Mockridge message, you need to get on YouTube. What I heard yeah. is you listen to sermons on YouTube as well. Like, that's my thing. I'm always like, yeah. YouTube well, sermons are where it's at. You can look up anybody. Adrian Rogers. Anybody. Charles Stanley. I mean, they can be 100 years old, and I swear yeah. they somehow still get Jay that McGee, on YouTube. Jay Vernon McGee. Uh, Who is like 200 years old. If you've so they never heard my friends. If you've never heard the three to six minute run of My King by S.M. Oh, Mockridge. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So, uh, most of his messages end with that, but this particular message I'm talking about is about an hour. You need you need an hour's I, commute. Yeah, I copied that it. at church camp about what four yeah. years ago. Yeah, it go. was amazing. Yeah. Hmm. Do do I have one, Brad? Well, I'll I'll throw mine out there real quick. I'm just saying um, there's a new store in town across from the Chinese restaurant. It's for no other terms a resale shop, and oh. I went in there, and it's a great place. They got like resale craftsman stuff, great prices. Well, I got to talking about the Easter walk, and I'm just saying it's a great store. She said, hey, talk to your people about it, but she's a Christian, and uh, she's trying to get her daughter in church. And so just one conversation, I'm just saying, try it. So she wanted to know when first service was, so I told her. She asked, when are you doing a service? I said, a real nice speaking to you, and then she sent back to me, likewise, the Lord is with us. And she just moved back from Florida. She's looking for a church, and this ain't, you know, hey, look at me. I'm trying. 
go. Talk to people. I'm just yeah, saying. You bet. There's Christians and brothers and sisters out there that you might not even know. And this lady's looking for a church, and that could have been the appointment. It couldn't sure. have been. But I said, there's yeah. great churches everywhere. And, and so a plug for their store, and I'm just saying, go talk to somebody about Jesus. You guys getting all spiritual. I'm going to feel bad about my, I'm just saying. No. It's oh. about here. Well, Watch this. What? They don't break nothing, do they? Yeah, she's not going to have a split femur. <laughs> this should be a advertisement for seatbelts. I'm just saying, that's what you look like coming out of the windshield. <laughs> oh, <geez>. oh my <laughs> god, <laughs> that is true. <laughs> Except for the end. Where did that come did from? That, did you see watch this and thought about car crashes? Was, yeah. Oh my gosh. I had a really good. I'm just saying, but I have to put it up on the board for it to make sense. And it had Brad Pitt with no shirt on, and oh. I really couldn't get away with it. But I mean, see, I wish it wasn't that. It's not all it spiritual so here. Because it was like it's, he's, it's a fighter. It's like a fight scene, and it shows this guy like fighting, right. and it says uh, Fight Club. nurses. If you mention the coronavirus, like yeah, whatever, you know. And then it shows people in hazmat suits, and it says nurses. If you mention bed bugs, <laughs> we are all like terrified of bed bugs. No coronavirus, doubt. not so worried. Yeah. Bed bugs, you. We are freaked Don't out. It is me. on. <laughs> got to close stuff down. It's bad. Wow. All right. That got super unspiritual on my part. I, say, I was say That's though. okay. Um, so for our next topic, we are going to talk about, um, and following up with prayer, we are going to talk about our go-to prayers. And as Ben worded it, um, kind of like spiritual warfare, like a biblical prepared prayer. So... So the, the, the impetus for this was in the last three weeks to a month, I have found myself pointing people to this type of praying, just one situation after another. And uh, we, we've talked about Ahithophel. You here. and I have talked about this like at least. Yes. <laughs> and so I'm going to give you a real short uh, history lesson. Ahithophel was Uriah's uncle. Uriah was Bathsheba's first husband. David had an affair with Bathsheba while Uriah is fighting a war for him. But the Bible makes very clear David should have been on the battlefield. And so when Bathsheba turns up pregnant, he tries to get Uriah to come home and have a little time with his <coughs> wife so that it can be his baby. He doesn't fall for it. He's a man of character. So while his men are fighting on the front line, he's not going to stay in a place of comfort, much less be with his wife. Blew David's mind, so he sent a letter by Uriah's hand to Job, Joab, excuse me, and, jo and it told Joab, put Uriah to the heat of the battle, then have everybody withdraw. Kill him. And they did. And so uh, when Ahithophel figured all this out, because, you know, eight months later, it, it was pretty obvious, and, and he brought her into his castle. He married her. And so... Um, Ahithophel became, he was one of David's top advisors, and he became an enemy at that point, understandably so. Well, when Absalom rose up against David, Ahithophel went with Absalom. And that scared David and his men more than Absalom did, because Ahithophel was a very good advisor. So they sent a spy to be a part of Absalom's, because this guy, this spy, was also a very well-respected advisor. And Ahithophel, uh, when they had their little meeting, said, attack immediately because your dad is weakened. He, he, he's ready to be defeated. And the spy said, basically defeated that. And, and the, what he said was, 
Absolutely, have you ever seen your dad in a weakened position? Name me a person that has defeated your father. Name me a person that has been effective in battle against your father. And Absalom's like, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. You, you need to wait, which was exactly what David needed the spy to say to Absalom. And yeah, because he said a wounded animal. Yeah, was. yeah. So the whole point was they sent the spy to defeat the council of Hiphel. So I have been praying this ever since I heard this, this explained by Bill Gothard that when I am in a situation where, let's just say that my son or daughter, uh, either one of my sons, start going, quote, unquote, down the right, wrong path, and they could be doing that as we speak, and I'm not aware, but, and it's because of the counselors. It's because of their friends. It's because of the people that they look up to in their sphere of influence that's giving them bad advice. Well, once that comes to my ears, I'm going to start praying for God to send someone to defeat the counsel of Ahithophel whoever Hiphel is in Benjamin's or Tony's or Molly's situation. And so we all have friends, neighbors and relatives that are in tough situations and they're, they're listening to poor advice. That's an effective prayer. God sends someone to defeat the counsel of Ahithophel because they're not going to listen to you. You know, if they're going to listen to you, they wouldn't have done what they did. And so you need to, God needs to send someone that they will listen to. Um, Steve, actually, I'm not sure... You know, he doesn't usually give names, and that's probably appropriate. But years ago now, there was a, a young man that we specifically prayed for God to send someone other than the people that had been trying, and God did. God did, and, and he will. And so another one is um, the hedge of protection that uh, Hosea prayed around Gomer. And so that was to drive away her lovers so that they could come back in marriage and such. And so that's an effective prayer. So I just was curious if you guys had, quote, unquote, biblical prayers or verses that you prayed when something came up. What a cri in a crisis, I, I, I hate to keep, can't, can't talk. I just keep going back to that principle or the spiritual equivalent to the broken arrow um, in the movie with Mel Gibson and We Were Soldiers okay. one time. Anytime an American position is about to be overrun and they're they're just about to have to surrender or they're going to be wiped out, they can call up, do a radio call sign, Broken Arrow, and every aircraft in radio shot of that position has to break off what they're doing and come to help them. Mm. So that that's kind of the spiritual principle. So I've got a group of guys that I say, hey, just pray for me. I'm, I'm struggling. <clears throat> You're one of them, and I, no I just doubt. sent you a flare text just, just need your prayers rarely do i give the details but i need, need prayer and the other thing i do is I, I just start singing hymns i just start worshiping god and that oh prepare <clears throat> to meet thy god <laughs> just kidding either, either way <laughs> could, could be that uh, but i don't think the devil's minions like to hear that no doubt i think it makes them back off if well, god I, if inhabits I, the praises of his people if i keep praising him when the pressure goes mm -hmm. up they maybe think well this isn't working Amen. let's do something else oh likewise i've got one when things get real rough especially like if you're laying in bed falling asleep and that image of something happening to your children or your family 
one of my first go-tos is in the name of Jesus be gone. Amen. And I'll just say it out loud because, like you said, uh, I've even said it in Hebrew because sometimes I'm thinking, oh, maybe these demons are, uh, you know, old They've school. They've been around but, a long time. <laughs> That's but, funny. They know I mean business. Yeah, yeah. He knows Hebrew, too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but but I don't know that much. But uh, but no, so that's my, that's my like, this is red alert time, and, and that'll give me some peace. Um, I've said that over and over and over and over and over again until I fall asleep because you just can't get that out of your head. But a lot of times uh, we have pretty routine prayers, you know, but uh, the other is the poetry, the gospel poetry. And I'll just start saying them because I can almost say them unconsciously. Sure. And if I'm in a situation, it'll just take me out of that situation into mm-hmm. my mind. And, and so that, that's about mine. Amen. Um, so I've learned kind of even in the last several months that when you're under what I consider a spiritual attack and, and spiritual warfare like you're speaking about is just to speak scriptures out loud. Mm-hmm. Like not just to pray, but to say out loud. And so there's certain scriptures that I have memorized that I'll just start saying out loud. And uh, like I told my husband, I go to the closet and I shut the door like in our <laughs> closet. And it's weird. Room. I'm like, if I yeah. disappeared in the house and nobody can find mom, she's in the closet. Don't check the closet. Just leave it alone for a little bit. <laughs> unofficial war room. Um, but one is God did not give me a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And Amen. just certain scriptures that just to speak specifically, just say them out loud. Um, and then Ben, you've talked repeatedly, although it took me years to actually practice it. I'm ashamed to say. Um, is when you wake up in the morning, pray to put on the spiritual armor of God. Like pray the helmet of salvation all the way to the shoes of peace. Like I'm going to walk in peace today. And just to pray each about each piece of armor. Um, and I've started doing that in my morning prayer time. Amen. I wish every single day, do I get up early enough to do it? Um, I was really good for a long time there. Um, but that's my morning prayer. And I've seen the benefit in that. Well, so think about it. I mean, we, you know, praise God. We've been uh, raised by cultured people. We don't step foot out of the door without being fully clothed. Right. Why would we do that spiritually? Right. And again, uh, I, I refer to this guy a lot, and I'm going to just be dead truthful with you. I didn't say this guy's name for years because he really drew criticism type thing. And very honestly, he's not where he was when I was exposed, if you will, to the teachings. But Bill Gothard taught me to to put on the armor of God. And, you know, I I don't care what the person's name is. If they've taught you to do something biblical, that's a blessing. Uh, And and so I I could care less anymore what people think of fill in the blank. James McDonald. Yeah, James (laughs) McDonald, Bill Gothard, you name it. If they've helped you grow, even if they may be living for the devil now, and I don't believe that about any of those guys that we've mentioned. I'm just saying, it's they still, God used them at one time as a blessing to us, and, and we praise God for that. So, yeah, put that armor on. And you might say, well, I, you know, I just don't really understand it. I mean, you are simply putting on pieces of clothing on a spiritual level. And, and of course, when you're done with it, you're putting on Jesus. You know, helmet of salvation, Jesus, Jesus. breastplate of righteousness, Jesus, Jesus righteousness. Yeah. girdle of truth, truth about who? Jesus. Jesus. Choose the gospel, please. Whose gospel? Jesus. Shield of faith, faith in who? Jesus. Sword of the Spirit, who's, who wrote the Bible? Jesus, through the Holy Spirit. And so you, you're sitting there, and, and I'll tell you, I'm, I'm so ate up with it. I also do the, the, and praying for all saints, and praying for all saints. When I started that, there was someone here 
that have asked me specifically to pray for them, I still think about them when I say that phrase. I'm praying for all yeah. and And her and her husband are right now in a very tough situation. And so I'm, I'm praying for that situation. I have a few other people that come to mind and as such. Um, but, but, but that is just, you know, church, I believe that the Holy Spirit is capable, able to keep up with all these things going. And if my name is laid on your heart through the day, there's a reason for that. Right. He's asking you to pray for me. Um, I got the opportunity to go in uh, to Charles, uh, I think, is it Wadlow? Yeah, room uh, two days ago. And man, I'm telling you, that, that, that was a, a very, you know, important, uh, tough deal, whatever you want to call it. That man needs prayer. And, and I was representing you. I was there on behalf of, Beth, and I told the wife that. I am here for Bethel Baptist Church, but also obviously for Christ. So, good well, stuff. One other I just thought of. I've been in not all situations, but when you get in a terrible, scary situation, a few times I've laughed. I've been like, really? We're going to go through this, aren't we? And just the laughter. Like, I'm facing something that's about to destroy me. And just, you're either going to laugh about it or cry about no it. No doubt. But that's blessed me. It's like, wow, you know, okay. Well, if I can laugh in this situation. Let's go. I think the you next know? time my kids do something horrific, I'm just going to stare at them and start laughing. <laughs> and I think that that will be way more effective than yelling. Well, you, no yeah, usually me, it, it does help with your spouse. Because me and Lindsay, yeah, we found ourselves. And we just look at each other and laugh like, all right, here we go. You know, this is going to be terrible. <laughs> my dad would inevitably scream and it wasn't anything you know it was just a ah, you know and and if we heard that from the kitchen we knew that he'd either burnt himself he had dropped something or, or something and i do the same thing you know right, right before i'm fixing to fall and fall into a creek ah, you know and i just do it like oprah did you see that video Oh my goodness! We Bless better not. Hearts. We better we not. Better not that. Can we play Something that goes out to the world wide web. Somebody yeah. texted to Brad. Uh, yeah. I want to see it before yep. we leave. It's a cartoon. He's digging for it. it. She, but she oh, made that noise. That's what made me think about it. So, <laughs> years ago now, we was at this house here, and I was cooking. Man, I was just going all over that kitchen, and I needed a pot holder. I opened that drawer, pulled it out, and before I could stop my hand, I grabbed that pot holder. But a mouse was sitting right on that pot ah. holder and I went ah and I pulled that pot holder that mouse did that what that girl was doing in the gymnastics boom I shut that door I said we gotta get some mouse traps <laughs> scared me to hopefully some new pot holders <laughs> I think if that would have happened to me it would have been a little more colorful <laughs> all right um so we'll stop there and we have a third segment tonight um which is a little bit heavier. We haven't maybe, dare I say, on the controversial side, I don't know. Um, but just a discussion about closed communion. Ben. Dun, dun, dun. I know. I so know. we're going to actually that. Even say it. We're going to let Tom open this up because he's the reason we're talking about this. Okay. Hey. Well, here's your question. Yeah, so here at Bethel, we practice closed. And then there's also close Correct. or there's open. Correct. So I ran into a gentleman the other day, and I am going to guide him to this because yeah. I couldn't, I could do it articulately, but not without a paper in front of me. And it was basically summed up as, your church has closed communion? I said, yes, sir. He's like, oh, who are you to say that I can't take communion? I said, that's not what it's about. That's right. just not that. And I tried going into the seriousness and the responsibilities of a pastor. 
and the responsibilities of taking communion while you still have unconfessed sin. And the Bible has dire warnings of doing that. And you have our you articulated every time you do it. It is a solemn, serious ceremony. And it was basically the conversation had ended at that point. And so although I tried to explain our position, I said there is biblical evidence to back this up. It was basically stopped. No, who are you to tell me that is wrong? So, and often if you have not an argument with somebody, but you have to understand if there's going to be a dialect. And since then, I told him I would get the scriptures to back it up, which I think we should if somebody challenges you. Argue with the book. Don't argue, argue with, with the book. So explain first, what is a closed communion versus an open communion? Okay. So a uh, closed communion means uh, members only of that respective church. And open means any saved. So uh, if, a, if a church practices open communion, they're just simply going to say, if you know Christ is your Savior, you're welcome to observe Lord's Supper with us. Uh, and every church has their own, you know, they, they can make that decision. Uh, the word autonomy probably needs to be talked about uh, with this uh, fine gentleman. And, and I'm, not, I'm saying that with all respect due to him because he, he deserves a good answer. Uh, with that said, close means like, faith, and order. So if we were a close communion church, it would be all Baptist type thing, uh, and then closed uh, members only. So um, what I've got here, guys, is what we have in our orientation. And so when someone comes and wants to know more about the church during our orientation, which we're getting ready to start that up again, uh, we will go through this with them. Uh, I don't know that we've got the time for me to read all of this, but but this is what, and I'll I'm going to get this to Tom so that he can forward it to the gentleman. But um, this is what I read uh, at any time, which we do uh, once a quarter. Uh, we practice, uh, we observe the Lord's Supper on the Sunday following the last, or the fifth Sunday. So whatever month has a fifth Sunday, the following Sunday, we're going to observe the Lord's Supper. It sounds a little hokey, but it's just a way we can remember it. Or also when you feel led correctly oh, to, no, yeah. yeah. If you feel led to do it, do yeah. it. How often do you do <clears throat> the Lord's Supper or communion? Like some churches do it every single Sunday. Yeah. Some churches, it's a very specific Sunday. Or are, how do you know when to do it? Is that so, biblical so, as well? No, the, the, there is not a biblical preference that we can find in Scripture. Therefore, it's left up to each individual church. It's an autonomous thing. Uh, Jesus says, as often as you do this in Remembrance of me, right. yeah, yeah, as often right. as you do it. Doesn't say how often. Correct. So as as often as you do it. So you could do it every Sunday. There's not a problem with that. Uh, you could do it once a month. You could do it however. Um, you could do it every service. But uh, we we've chosen, and I, there's no <laughs> nothing written down anywhere as to why we've chosen the Sunday after the fifth Sunday. That's just how we've always done it. Have not felt led to change it. You know, type thing. Uh, and and I think it, you do need to feel led. To change it. In other words, don't don't just change it because you don't like. You know, that doesn't sound like a good a reason to do it. Well, it's better or as good as any other reason that I can think of. So, with all that said, um, one of the things that I would start with uh, with anyone questioning how we do it. Do you have a problem with anyone and everyone in the United States of America on the fourth Thursday of November eating turkey? 
Anybody got a problem with that? No. Nobody's got a problem with every American, anyone, eating turkey on the fourth Thursday of November. Thanksgiving. What, what if they want to do it at your house? Now we may have an issue. So we, as a scriptural New Testament church, want every scriptural New Testament church to make their decision on how they observe the Lord's Supper. Please give us the same, you know, acknowledgement and yeah. same privilege, right? So when we look at Scripture, Judas was not present when Jesus and the 11 disciples participated in the first Lord's Supper. What is the Lord's Supper? The Lord's Supper is a continuation of the Passover. The Passover was what they did in the Old Testament because they observed the death angel passing over the door facing that had the blood of the lamb on it. And so they had to do that in such a manner and fashion. It's all there in the Old Testament to see. Exodus and, 12. Exodus 12. And they did it religiously. Why? What does that represent, folks? The death angel passing over the door that has the blood on the post? That represents someone knowing Christ. Only the family that was in, in the, that dwelling was supposed to eat of right. the Passover lamb. You Jesus couldn't go body. to someone else's house and observe sure. the Passover. Okay, so I'm going to play advocate here. Sure. So who are you to tell me that I haven't accepted Jesus? <laughs> I, I, it's not me. Right. It's yeah. not me. It's Jesus and God's word, you know, telling you. Um, and, and I'll get to that in just right. a moment. Um, so, and, and, you know, I, I would also say, why so combative? You know, you might look at him and say, why so serious? You know, it, it just seems like there's something else brewing there. And, 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 and again, you got to go back to the turkey illustration. If it's okay for me and my family only to eat that turkey, it's okay for a church to, to draw their lines on the Lord's Supper. That's my humble opinion. And so after the uh, Passover was changed to the Lord's Supper, you know, communion and the Lord's Supper are interchangeable. Uh, most Baptist churches refer to it as the Lord's Supper, in my humble opinion, so as not to be confused with other denominations. Right. So uh, f first argument is, is that Judas was not there. Okay. So it was just those first, if you will, members of that church. The church was instituted before the day of Pentecost. Because Jesus refers to his church. They were endued with power on the day of Pentecost. And then these uh, instructions were laid out in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And so... Uh, so in essence, the first Lord's Supper was a closed communion. Absolutely. He didn't open up the doors and say, hey, everybody yeah. come up a here and let's and do all this. the Passovers absolutely. prior to that were, <laughs> right. were closed Passover observances. So here's the question. Yep. If you were, let's say, on vacation, and you've often said that you and Don visit other churches on vacation, and that church is observing the Lord's Supper, you know, obviously, you're right. You're saved. You understand the significance of the Lord's Supper. Are you comfortable partaking in a church you're visiting with their Lord's Supper, or would you dismiss yourself, or would you feel you're doing something wrong if you participate? 
So, uh, to answer that question. And if they're like, if they're open communion, I mean, if they're yeah, like, yeah, yeah, if you're here and you're. That, that's for each. We don't police that. When, when a family enough. goes on vacation, well, did you go to church to practice the Lord's Supper? Did you partake? Would there be anything wrong with it biblically? I'm, I'm going to let each person make that decision. We, I'm just wondering. We, no, no, yeah, I'm, well, I'm with you. I, I think your best and, explanation, though, is the way you explain it right. on your responsibility for your flock right. and the warning if they take it. And if you don't know that person, right. it is your responsibility to know and grow that person in right. Christ as a congregation. If you willy, willingly lead somebody to the slaughter, right. unwillingly lead somebody to slaughter, you will be held accountable for so, that. So, so Tom is referring to this passage here that says in uh, <clears throat> verse 29 of 1 Corinthians 11, for he, uh, well, let's start in verse um, 26. For often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he come. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened to the Lord, that we should not be condemned with the world. Wherefore, my brethren, when you come together to eat and tarry one for another, and if any man hunger, let him eat at home, that ye come not together into condemnation, and the rest will I set in order when I come. So... Uh, you notice that verse 30, for this cause many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. So in this, and you got to understand that, that the church at Corinth was a very, very carnal church. They had issue after issue, but they were still a scriptural New Testament church. They were just very immature. And so one of the things they were doing was they turned the Lord's Supper into a, a party. And God disciplined some of the members to death type thing and many others with sickness. And so it is a very important thing. And, and I want to go back to your question, though, Tara, because I'm, I'm not trying to skirt around it as much as to tell you that I, I'm not going to sit here and say that someone sins if they partake at another church because they're open communion as much as I would encourage them to seek the Lord on that and just follow the leadership of his Holy Spirit. Uh, with that said, be because I am intensely closed communion, I have never partaken at another church. I don't think that owes me any kind of back on, you know, slap on the back or anything. It's just my practice. Uh, we were. Well, and are you making it more of a ritual? If you're just, I'm, I'm going to do it anywhere. It's something I do. Or are you making it? Yeah, I, I you know, it's speak like to that. you know, and that's the thing. What I mean is, if if you're if you have a home church, mm -hmm. and that is a sacred thing between you and your church, you know, it might don't turn it into a novelty if it's like, oh, hey, we're sure. here, and they're doing it. You know, that's where I think you're saying it's between you and the Holy Spirit. Sure. If you lay this, this New Testament teaching over the Old Testament teaching of the Passover, there was a process of getting all of the leaven out of the house that, to prepare you for the Passover. There's a process that you prepare yourself for the Lord's Supper also, getting all the sin accounted for before you take the Lord's Supper. And that's done within the context of your family or your church. So, that, I mean, there's just so much um, consistency between the, the observance of Passover and the observance of Lord's Supper when you look at it in the context of a closed or close uh, community or family. Yeah, uh, and, and one thing, I, I couldn't agree more uh, with both what you're saying. It's excellent stuff. But, Tara, you, I think you're an excellent example here from the standpoint of you've attended here for a long Forever. time. Forever. Forever. Tithe here. Everything, yeah. everything I do is here. Yeah. 
have we ever made you feel like a sub person because quote unquote you don't take of the Lord's Supper here? No. No. And in fact, I often wonder that, like, you still want me up here? Because I don't have the, the member stamp in my, right. I don't have the card in my wallet. Well, and I think there's also a trap. Um, so there's, I believe, and he, he can listen, I believe there's other things. You know, when anybody's aggressive at something, yeah. um, there's other things there, like you said. But I think you should be wary of a pastor that has services like Oprah. You get a cracker, and you get a cracker, and uh, you get juice, and you get juice. Or pastors that will just baptize everybody that walks up. Sure. There's a lot more to it than that. Right. So it's just like you wouldn't try to lead somebody to Christ and not tell them about the repentance of sins. Right. There's more to the Lord's Supper communion than just taking it. Right. And, and, and this is one thing that I do say to any person that, that's coming. I encourage them. You need to go to a business meeting and you need to go to a Lord's Supper. Because the business meeting, you're going to learn how well we fight. And at the Lord's Supper, you're going to learn how well we love mm -hmm. the Lord. And, and it's a very solemn ceremony. It, it, and I want and to say this. It's going to sound like I'm patting myself on the back. I'm not on any level because I was trained by former pastors here and as such. It, it's, it's a very solemn uh, service that, that I think honors God and as such. We don't partake of the Lord's Supper until we've had an altar call. Right. To give you the opportunity. Now, and, and let's, let's just, you know, because we are running out of time. Let me say this, that uh, the main reason, biblically, that we do not encourage or allow, quote, unquote, other people partake is because we do feel responsible and we don't know the people that aren't members of this church. Right. We just don't know them. And, so we can't vouch for them. And I would like to, if, if we're about to close... I took we offense. Have. I took offense to sometimes it hurt me seeing people that didn't take it. Sure. And a very wise man, Steve Reed, said, if it doesn't offend them, why does it offend you? Yeah, amen. When he said that, I was like, you're right. Yeah, amen. All right. Well, we'll see you guys next week.